Welcome to the Modern Masculinity Podcast, where we delve into the depths of what it means to be a man in today's world, and we explore the real-life challenges and triumphs that you and I face every single day. My name is Hector Santi Esteban, and I come with no answers, only questions for some of the most wise, insightful, and grounded men that I know. So get settled in. You're listening to Modern Masculinity. Fellas, what's going on? I hope this episode finds you well. And wherever it finds you, I want to thank you for letting me be a part of your journey. And I want to thank you for being a part of mine here on the Modern Masculinity Podcast. And today's episode is with Brian Page, and he's the host of the Modern Husband Podcast and, and someone who is, like me, out there trying to, to figure things out for guys because if there's anything I've learned over the last little bit, it's like, I don't know. I don't know anything. I thought I knew everything and I knew absolutely nothing. And it's beautiful though, because there's so much opportunity. If you know everything, then what is there to learn? And what is there to gain an understanding in? And man, have I really learned a lot in my marriage and in my relationship. And has it shown me so much about myself? And so... We talk about how things are changing and, and how things have changed and how you might be able to adjust and, and you know, you might find some things that you like, you might find some things that you don't like. And, and I think that's what's important about these conversations is to present you with options and to let you know that all of these are okay. It's about finding the right flavor, the right seasoning, the right taste for you. And so without further ado, let's get into today's episode with Brian Page. Mr. Brian Page, welcome to the Modern Masculinity Show, man. How are you? I'm great, man. Thanks for having me. Thank you for doing this. It's so cool doing these. We had Ted Phaeton, who I interviewed a few weeks ago, and he has a show called The Modern Man. You've got a show, The Modern Husband, and it's cool. It's great to see because I'm sitting here when I started the shows, I'm thinking that, man, these conversations aren't happening. But as I'm getting into them, I'm like, well, they are starting to happen. So anyways, I just I wanted to honor you for doing that and being a pioneer in that regard and leading the way in a space that I unwillingly jumped into, if I will admit. Okay. All right. I would, uh, when you say unwillingly. You know, I talked about it on this, but I'll share with you. It was just for so long, I put off wanting to start a show like this for all of the fear and all of the excuses that creep in from what is my wife going to think? What is society going to think? Am I going to get canceled? Do I have time for, <laughs> you know, all these things. I have a lot of ideas, so I just put it away and I said, maybe it'll go away and it never did. And so here we are. Your show is The Modern Husband and I was going through and, and looking at some of the episodes that you've done and it's just so much realness that I think we as guys are kind of taking on these days. But what's present for you uh, right now? My family it feels like so many other everyday families where there's two working spouses and we have children and the days of a man kind of walking in the door after working all day and his wife waiting with dinner on the table for most of us are over. And so is that not, wait, know, that's not how it's supposed to work. 
<laughs> That's not just me who's going through that is what you're saying? <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, if you're going through it and you're listening to this, then uh, you're certainly in the minority these days. It's interesting that you say that because I'm so much in that right now to my wife. She just got another new job and she's crushing it in her career. And it's just, we have kids and so she's jumping back in and she's been out of the workforce, if you will, at least primarily for a long time. And so it's interesting that I see that expectation in my subconscious because when I was a kid, my mom had dinner and she was not like a necessarily even a traditional homemaker wife. She had a job too, but she cooked every night and my dad came home and you know there was some sort of expectation of that. I had to put that away because I was like, I was wondering, I was like, where's this resentment? Where's this frustration coming from? And that's kind of where it was. It was like, oh, oh yeah, that's what I thought was supposed to happen. <laughs> and man, that is what so many men and husbands are going through now where, you know, 50 years ago, that's what happened. But kind of fast forward to today and over the last 25 years, what has been the majority of households are two working couples. And Pew released a report in the second week of April that found that wives are making either around the same amount or more than their husbands in 45% of households. And so when you look at the landscape of the modern professional world, you have to revisit what it means to be a man, to be a husband, and to be able to work with your partner to ensure that you're happy and they're happy. And together, you're able to partner as teammates to manage the home, to manage money, and to raise a family. And that takes collaboration. That takes strategies that a lot of us didn't see from our parents because they had an entirely different structure at home. I'm not saying something's wrong, something's right. I'm just pointing out that in the new modern world, that's not the case in most households. And so like you, my wife is crushing it and I want to support her. And you know, I work, I've always worked, but the way that the responsibilities that she has and her career aspirations and our family situation requires genuine teamwork. And I've learned, and I'm sure you've seen in the Modern Husbands podcast where we have, you know, sociologists, people from Duke and Harvard to discuss, like, why is it that men are struggling with this? It's a little frustrating for me on the outside looking in because I, I want to be able to tell every man, hey, look, the data is screaming at us that if you, for example, are doing household chores equitably with your partner, just, you know, whatever they may be, maybe you cook and she cleans or however that you decide what is fair and what you enjoy, when it's equitable in the eyes of both partners, men actually have a greater bump in happiness than women. Husbands feel way happier, according to Cambridge University. And the, the hypothesis there is there's not that silent resentment. There's not that frustration from your wife, angry that you're not contributing, but not understanding how to communicate that. And a lot of husbands want to help, but they don't know how. And my wife and I went through that for a while because we didn't always have this setup. We had more of an old school setup. And same thing with managing money together. Like that is the number one cited reason for stress in a marriage again and again and again by the American Psychological Association. It's the number one predictor of divorce because it's tough for people to talk about. It. And usually when people talk about it, it's because something bad happened. 
So they're just like reacting to a frustration or a problem. So naturally, they're going to argue about it. So when we started to do this, we knew that we simply needed community. We needed a bunch of like-minded men who recognized the practical side of being a husband in 2023 and are just searching for ideas to be able to do that in a better way. Yeah. I mean, it's totally on because as you're talking about this, and this is a theme that's come up in a lot of the conversations that we've had. And, and I know in the episodes that you've done is that there's no models to look to. I think we were right on the end of a system that had been going forever. And then all of a sudden we're at the beginning of a brand new system that has no precedence for this new thing. You know, I think about the transition. I, I was born in 91 and my mom and my dad were about equitable, you know, in terms of how much income that they made. But I think that switch happened like right around that time in the sense where women really started to take hold in careers and men were left without not only the, what I would say, like the vision of what's the new ideal, if you will, but then What's the frameworks and the how-tos? Like, how do we actually implement and execute it? You know, they were able to look to their grandpas who were able to look to their grandpas. And generally, things were pretty much the same. But that, we can't do that. Yeah, so when men are working through that, it's the lack of modeling that a lot of us had. So I'm from a small, rural, Midwestern town. I'm not from what people would consider a progressive area of the country. It's very opposite. And, you know, myself, my friends, my family grew up in that kind of environment. But at the same time, because that's not what we're seeing right now, it's like we're always searching for answers. And again, that's why we started Modern Husbands. One of the telltale signs that men are like grasping for ideas, for role models, is the fact that if a woman in a relationship, in a marriage, begins to earn, contribute more than 40% of the household income, men become psychologically distressed. And so the more of a contributor financially she is, the more psychologically distressed the husband is because of all of these perceived societal norms, which should be going away. Let's talk through this if you're okay with that, because I started feeling that I'm like, oh, I'm sitting there and I'm feeling this like viscerally, right? And I'm sitting here and I'm wondering why do I, because I want to support her consciously, I want to be in her corner, but why all of a sudden do I have these weird hesitations? And I realized that for me, it was like, well, what role do I serve? If not a provider, then what am I? And I had to wrestle with that. That is because for generations, there's been a direct marriage between money and masculinity. Those two things have been married. And much of that is because historically women didn't work. So the stronger a man was- I want you to hop in, but you said that men, if they do these things, that they would be more happy. And I think the challenge is that's not the measuring stick. That's not the KPI they're maximizing. Yeah. I mean, from my own perspective, my inclination was to provide and protect. Really simple, right? And I was raised that way. My mom was really bright. She graduated from Ohio State in three years before dual credit existed. Just crazy smart. My grandmothers were crazy smart. One was a valedictorian. But even then, men in the family were told, you provide, you protect, whether it was implicit or explicit. I was the breadwinner for years, and we made this conscious decision for the first time last year, maybe it was the second time, I wasn't the breadwinner. 
So part of me, obviously, I'm like super proud because my wife is working her tail off in her career and she's ambitious. And so for me, part of me is like, wow, you're killing it. This is really great. But even doing what I'm doing at Modern Husbands, reading all the research, having all these national experts on my advisory board, knowing the data, it hurt that I felt like I was letting her down. It felt like I was not the contributing person in the relationship that I needed to be. Even though when you list the priorities in our relationship of what we need, money right now, because of our circumstances, is not the top of the list. There are many other things that are ahead of that. And that's when I have this kind of vision in my head of just teammates, It's just we're teammates. I'm a Bengals fan. So Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, right? Could be Patrick Holmes, Travis Kelsey, like these two people that have to figure out how to work together with one another using whatever skill sets they were blessed with to maximize happiness. And in order to be happy, you obviously have to have security first. And it just so happens in so many households like yours, mine, women are killing it. And that trend's going to grow. Women are outpacing men as college graduates in associates, bachelor's, master's, PhD programs, and they're now equal in MD programs. I promise this is not a coaching session, Brian, but that's not what I'm trying to turn this into. <laughs> Merely, I am I, using this because another thing that we've found in these conversations is that most men, they keep things so tight to their chest, not realizing that so many other guys are going through the exact same thing. As this is happening, my wife is crushing it. She's also traveling more. She's not home as much. I'm home with the kids a lot more. So it's all these things that are kind of compounding. And I'm realizing that it's making my insecurities flare like crazy. I'm dealing with the fallout of my reactions to that, which is its own thing. But then I'm sitting there wrestling, like, why am I getting so triggered? Why am I so emotionally raw to this kind of thing? And one of the interesting things was that as she's earning more, what you talked about is that the solution is being connected, being more connected as individuals and being more connected in the relationship. If that's all happening and then there's not a connection interpersonally or whatever between the people, I can see that where it actually did cause conflict. It did create some strain because I'm over here really just searching for my own self-worth and validation, but it's being triggered by all these other things that maybe I just wasn't used to, you know, or wasn't expecting or wasn't prepared for. Yeah. It's really hard to accept. You don't have to shoulder bringing in the bacon. It's like you go through this process where you want to be a great husband. And for numerous reasons, you feel like the only way to do that is to be the breadwinner. And it's almost like this process where you have to work through the fact that's not necessary anymore based on circumstances. But the next step is recognizing what is it that my wife or my family need to contribute in a way that makes everybody else happier. Before, 40 years ago, you could quantify your contribution as a husband with dollar signs. You could get the external validation that came along with that. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Right? Because I remember when all this was happening, we were hanging out with our good buddy and he was like, you know, oh, so you're playing Mr. Mom now, now that my wife is traveling all the time. And he was just kind of doing it as like a dig. It was a joke. And it was like, but in that same regard, it was like, 
if I were to say, instead of spending those, whatever it was, 40 hours over that month working and crushing it and making 10, 20, 30, $50,000, which perhaps was possible given the time that I was spending with the kids, I could put that on social media and get all these claps. I could tell my buddy, he'd be like, oh, that's awesome, right? But all of a sudden, investing and spending time with the kids, at least on a grand collective scale is not recognized perhaps in the way that it should be. There are pockets of it. And sure, you post it on social media and there are people that give you some claps and say, oh, that's cute. You're a present dad or whatever it is. But at least in the collective consciousness, I don't think guys are given enough credit when they do take that time. And I don't know that they need it because after a while I was like, well, why do I need that external validation? Why do I need someone to tell me how awesome I am for spending time with my kids? Why do I need that from social media anyways, uh, or, or from anybody? But I think that's also something out there that guys have to put down and, and sacrifice is that validation that comes along with the monetary success. You know, a buddy of mine is a founder of the company of dads. He calls them lead dads, where in his circumstance, his wife is the one that's gone more frequently, kind of in my circumstance, and he is the lead dad at home. And he found that the, the environment you just explained. That's the case for men and women, that women exclude husbands or fathers who want to be a part of the the groups that are traditionally groups of mothers. And so the frustration comes on both ends. And as far as your you know wife's concerned, my wife's concerned, the stress- She's feeling that same thing from dudes. Right. And like the expectation is that she has to be the perfect mother first. She's got to figure it out. And we're also saying, hey, figure it out. Oh, well, boo hoo, you know, make it work. And it's killing them. It's killing them, right? Because they shouldn't have to bear that burden to shoulder all that stress of being a great mother. That should be something that you sit down and divide up responsibilities to figure out how you can create a team environment to make everything work. It's hard for women. Again, this is why marriages are happier when you do simple things like you don't watch the kids, you parent. You hear men say that, like, I got to watch the kids tonight. No, you're a father, (laughs) you know, or my wife's making me do the dishes. No, dude, what are you talking about? Like, are you a grown up? You should have responsibilities. She should have responsibilities. I'm not trying to stereotype relationships into just men and women, but it's almost like the language that you hear. And I was guilty of it too. I did the same thing where I would ask my wife, like, what do you need? I would have some free time when I worked all the time. I was the breadwinner and we had that traditional setup. I would ask, what do you need? Because I knew that she was taking on the mental load of running the entire house. I knew that nobody else could tell me what was needed. I didn't know it was needed because she handled everything. So just that in itself was a telltale sign. Like, it's not fair. It's not fair for her. And now that we have this understanding, everybody's happier. My initial thought was to come at it from perhaps a negative perspective and say, oh, this is one more battlefront to keep our relationships together, if you will. Perhaps I'm looking back on our parents and our grandparents' generation and idealizing their world. Perhaps it seemed more simple or there were less variables to take into consideration. And my initial thought is to say that boo-hoo, woe is us. And because of the divorce rate in it, my wife and I were going through a really challenging time. And so you start to hear those statistics and you're like, fuck, like they become more real. But on the other end of that, I think that there's another evolution that's 
possible with those constraints or given that these circumstances that our parents and our grandparents didn't always experience that even though they were married for 30, 40, 50 years, how many of those were they actually happy or were they happy for any of them? I think it's a little more complicated or more challenging, but I think that there's more fruit on the other side of that. I would think, and this is my opinion, that 50 years ago, you're right that it was simple because you didn't really have to coordinate much. She did everything at home. He worked, period. And when you look at that, that in itself sounds like it makes everything easier on the surface. But imagine being a brilliant woman who has lofty goals that wants to accomplish more than only being a wife, only being a spouse. I'm not saying that those things don't have value, obviously have great value, but how frustrating or smothering or trapped must they feel knowing that that could never happen for them because of their gender. So I would think that for them, 50 years ago, that had to be really, really tough to grapple with. And so that in itself could be like the silent frustration. Whereas now, yeah, I mean, it's trickier because of two people with two careers and all the complexities that come with that, whether, you know, one might have an opportunity to move for a different career to advance in a career, like in our case, where 50 years ago, you only moved for the man. Now it's taking turns. You both have good careers. So how do you decide who moves? How do you decide whose turn it is for a promotion? And these things just simply require ongoing conversations, shared values, making sure that there's this feeling of equity. And on top of all of those things, you have these people that typically make more money because they're dual income, usually highly educated. Well, that doesn't necessarily solve the problem unless you're having money conversations. And when you look at the data behind that, money just thrown recklessly or money that's used without being thoughtful or an understanding of what your shared values are, what your shared goals are, that actually creates even more tension and more resentment and more frustration because the spouses will look at each other and wonder, why are you doing X, Y, Z with my hard-earned money? I'm working all the time. Like Target. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, there's a little bit of truth to that. Yeah. So like in, in all in all seriousness, like how often do people who never took a personal finance class, their parents didn't talk to them about managing money because it's taboo. They don't talk to their friends about it because it's taboo. Now, all of a sudden, two people that don't really know how to manage money are supposed to get together and manage money together. There are so many emotions and money stories that come with that above and beyond the mechanics of understanding how to build your credit score, understanding how to invest appropriately. Like all of those entanglements are hard on a relationship if there's not an understanding on how to approach them. Our goal is to try to unravel all of these complicated things and create simplicity in people's lives, understanding how to approach money conversations in a way that allows both of them to be on the same page. You don't need to be investing experts. You don't need to be credit building experts. That's not what most people aspire to be. They just want to manage money sufficiently in a way where they're happy, they have security, they're seeing their dollars used on the things that they love the most, and they want to be able to come home and be in an environment where it's not stressful. Like you each have your own thing that you do and not one person 
kind of bears the burden of running the household. And what we've learned in our household is once you settle in on what those roles look like after the first few months, it's pretty easy. But those first few months, they're a little rocky, even though I have all the research. I have all these researchers on my advisory board. I'm reading all the research. And the last thing that you want to tell your wife is, well, according to the research, babe, you're wrong. Let me tell you what they say. Because I tried that and that does not work. I can promise you that. There's like this feeling of, it's not feeling, it's real. If your wife has traditionally run the house and now there's a swap or now like there's more equity in that, they look over your shoulder with all of the things that you're now doing around the house that they were doing, literally. Like she was following me around at one point. Like apparently there's a wrong way to fold towels. And the challenge is for them, they've been doing it for so long, they want it done a certain way. My challenge is if I have a boss, I'm already being managed. I don't need somebody to tell me how to fold towels. So like there's this natural friction point and the book Fair Play and they have these cards. Eve Roski built it out. There's a documentary on it. They do a really good job explaining that if you're going to go about an equitable relationship at home, which you should, that there's a procedure where you have to completely own something to avoid having your spouse look over your shoulder. So let me give you an example. Let's say that you are responsible for doing most of the cooking. So I like to cook. Specifically, I like to smoke meat. I like to barbecue. It's just something that I love to do. My brother loves to do. So what does that mean? That means that we own everything that goes with that. The grocery shopping. I mean, I have to know what goes on the list. I have to know when I need it. I have to buy it at the right time so it doesn't go bad. So the grocery shopping, when we're making things, when do the kids have games and activities? When do we eat as a meat, as a family or when are we out and about running around? Which credit cards do we use to get the maximum reward points at the grocery store? When we eat out, How do we make sure that everybody's getting food that night because we're in three different directions? Owning that makes it easier because we let Hope and I don't have to like text back and forth all the time or call each other or walk down the hall and be like, what's going on tonight? And spend all this wasted energy figuring out a meal. It's, I own it. I'm going to tell everybody what to do. And that's what we're doing. And you just do that with all of the things that are required for managing a household. My wife handles all the paper bills. That's her thing. She's in finance. Obviously, that was my background, but she enjoys that. I love building credit. I had a perfect credit score at one point. I'm just fascinated with the strategies to use it. I handle anything and all things credit. So I handle anything and all things saving, investing. And we meet every week. We talk about where our money went, where we want it to go, what are our goals. And the best way to approach that, if you haven't done it, is to start with what you like spending money on. Dr. Klontz taught me that. That was really like this precious gift where a light bulb went off. I realized, oh my God, nobody, maybe some people like to sit down and talk about money, but let's face it. It's not like, ooh, let's talk about the bills. It's just a part of adulting. And his point was, look, you're already kind of sitting down doing something you don't necessarily want to do. At least find the fun side of it first. Find out what you have in common and where you love your money to go. Because once you get that sense of shared values and shared understanding of what you like to do, you can work backwards from there. Then it becomes easier for you to to make trade-off decisions between you. Since we decided we love spending money on this, I can't maybe spend money on my seventh fantasy football league. 
or maybe she can't spend money on getting her nails done every four days. Maybe it's every seven days, whatever it may be. Yeah. I'm glad you got that in there because at the beginning I was thinking, man, we're not really talking about, okay, what now? But I think you really gave some great context as to, okay, if and when you're in that position, here are some things that you can do. Start talking about it, have these conversations, pick out roles, start owning things. Brian, where can people go to follow up and, and go deeper in your world? You've got a podcast or anywhere else that people can get connected with you? Yeah. So modernhusbands.com is our website and we send out a newsletter just every two weeks. We don't send other communication because I get a lot of emails. I don't need a lot of them from all of these other places. So if you start there, you'll notice that we have an area called Money Marriage University where it's just focused on managing money, but doing it as a couple. So there's like a span of suggestions on how you can approach conversations or strategies that you can use to work together. And then we have lifestyle posts that we put out, of course, and we have free courses. So you can find that on modernhusbands.com. And then we have a podcast. It's called Modern Husbands Podcast. And we just decided this month that we're going to go every week starting in May. And the focus is to bring in an expert who can help men manage money and the home with their teammates. That's it. And ideas on the approaches, strategies that we know work. One week, it's going to be usually 30 to 40 minutes. And then every other week is what's going to be new. We're calling it most memorable minutes of Modern Husbands. So we're going to take 10 minutes of the previous podcast where we feel like it's the most beneficial advice, most meaningful advice. And we're going to cramp it into those 10 minutes and release that every other week for guys that are a little busier and they can't invest 30 minutes, 40 minutes. Maybe they can only invest 10 minutes. And the people that we have on are experts. We believe that relationships are personal, that personal finance is more personal than finance. And so we don't have a dogmatic approach to this. We have an array of strategies that we know from academics work. And we simply present these ideas and let couples decide what they think works best for them in their circumstance. So modernhusbands.com, you can find the podcast there and you can subscribe to our newsletter. Brian, we're going to have to bring you back on for a second one, even if it's not just for a, another personal coaching session. This has been uh, self- oh, this was great. I love, love it. <laughs> selfishly beneficial. I know our guys are going to love it. So if you guys got any value out of today, please leave a, a rating or review wherever you get your podcasts. If you know another guy that is just looking for some support, direction, help, if they just want to be around some other guys or need to be around these conversations, send them this episode. And then uh, I would encourage you to take one thing from this conversation and implement it and let us know how it goes. You can find me on LinkedIn, Hector Santi Esteban, or my Twitter is at Hector underscore podcast. Hope you guys are having an amazing, amazing day. Thanks for being part of the tribe. We'll see you on the next one. Later, y'all.